Hello, my name is Jorge and I am interviewing today Maudo Jallo. Thank you, Maudo, for being with us today. How are you? Good. Uh, thank you, Jorge, for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for making yourself available. Uh, could you tell me more about yourself? Uh, so, where do I start? I am Gambian by birth. I uh, lived in a few places. I currently live in Accra, Ghana. I work for the Tony Blair Institute, but specifically I work with the Ministry of Trade and Industry in, in Ghana um, on issues around uh, manufacturing, industrialization, and in trade and investment as well. My, my background, a bit about my background, so I used to work for UNIDO, um, which is the United Nations Industrial Development Organization um, in New York. And before that, I was in grad school in London um, at the London School of Economics, studying um, African development, which is uh, economic development or development economics, as some people call it, um, with a special focus on, on sub-Saharan Africa. Yes, that's, that's uh, quite impressive. I am I'm curious to know, could you tell us what makes you interested or about pursuing a career in the United Nations? I mean, uh, for many of us in, in, you know, that grew up uh, sort of in this, in this area of development economics, I think you grew up wanting to work for the UN. It's sort of the ideal uh, organization, right? Um, and for me, I've always been interested in industrialization and, you know, the industrial development, especially um, of the African continent. And so marrying those two interests made me want to work for UNIDO. So it wasn't by chance that I ended up working for them. I think I had always uh, prioritized UNIDO as um, an organization that I wanted to work for. And I think, you know, just like I said, growing up and uh, ide um, idealizing the United Nations as this global powerhouse of, uh, of economic development and also sort of being at the epicenter of, uh, you know, global issues. I think for any, you know, young kid growing up, um, that, that's, that was always the plan, right? So it was an absolute honor, you know, when I, when I actually got the job. I see. And, and could you tell me more, how did you go about it once you were absolutely determined? Uh, what were your steps? What were the measures you took uh, to achieve that? I mean, so most people... Uh, would say, you know, I want to work for this organization or that organization. But one, the main thing was to stay ready, right? So if you want to work for, for example, um, Procter & Gamble, or, or you want to work for, uh, let's say, one of the major banks, let's say Goldman Sachs, right? It would help to know a bit more about what they do, what their, you know, company philosophy is, their history, know a bit about the major players in in you know, in the organization or the company. Um, and this groundwork or this homework that you have to do in order to place yourself, you know, at the top um, of any uh, list of candidates is crucial. And, and for me, uh, you know, as part of my course, but also um, in my personal life, I made it a point to uh, know as much as I could about the companies that I wanted to work for, the organizations that I wanted to work for. And with UNIDO, uh, specifically, I made it a point to know, okay, so what does UNIDO do? What are some of the main things that UNIDO focuses on? And um, beyond that, so what are some of the key people that work for UNIDO? And I think, you know, as this podcast goes on, um, this, this, this episode, I will keep referring to um, how important it is to go that extra mile 
And usually that extra mile includes the people. So these organizations don't exist on their own, sort of um, uh, in silos. The people that work in them are the key, right, um, in any career. It's about knowing the people that make up these organizations and building relationships with them um, and, and understanding what makes them tick uh, in, in a way that allows you to be ahead of the game. I see. You, you mentioned a major subject uh, among our users uh, that are trying to have a career in the UN. It is indeed, everybody knows, an, an uh, oversubscribed organization and, and sector. And how, how do you separate yourself from the competition? What, what did you do to, to outstand the competition? Right. Um, and I get this question all the time. So um, or even on social media and, and, and people that I meet, will ask me, you know, um, how did you do it? So there is, like anything in life, there's a bit of luck attached to it. So um, for me, with, you know, with, with the UN, I, you know, had just finished grad school. I applied to maybe 75, 80 different jobs um, in, in all over the world. And um, the Unido job came at a time when I was starting to, to almost give up, really. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest. And, uh, you know, the, a friend of mine, um, a former, uh, I would say, classmate of mine, sort of um, at the LSE said, you know, there's this great opportunity at Unido. Um, someone's leaving and he, they're looking for someone that could come in and quickly pick up the slack and, and, and keep things going. And I said, that's fantastic. So, Um, that prior relationship that I had sort of helped me um, in preparing for this for this role, but also being in a prime position for this role. So one thing that I'll say is you never know where your next opportunity is going to come from. So the main thing you, you can do to set yourself apart is if you know that you want to work in international development, you have to make it your priority to constantly attend events, conferences, Um, networking, um, you know, spaces in order to meet the people that are in that organization, uh, in these organizations, sorry, that allows you to do two things. One, it keeps you in tune with what's happening in, 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 you know, in that area. So when you have an interview or, you know, you're deciding what you want to do, you're informed. And two, it builds relationships. So the next time there's, there's an opening um, and they're looking for someone qualified, You can put yourself forward and, and that allows you to be, you know, ahead of everyone else who is just applying blindly without, you know, anyone to recommend them or, or write a reference for them. Right. So so that is, for me, the key. It's it's really putting yourself out there and, and also social media. So um, using social media to your advantage and thinking about yourself as um, a brand and saying, okay. Um, I want to get in this field. How do I brand myself both offline and online in order to allow myself to be seen as a viable candidate for these roles that I want to apply for? It's, it's, I mean, some of this seems like it's obvious, but you will be surprised how many times um, people, uh, I would say, don't, you know, avoid looking at it that way and, and, and think, You know, they can just sit in their living room and apply online and boom, um, a job comes to them. I see. Uh, thank you. In fact, this, this is uh, one of the purposes of, of this podcast, to reach that gap between the people that have already succeeded on doing it 
and I think it's I completely agree. Um, uh, to follow up in, on that question, for those who don't know, uh, Mauro is the founder of New Nation, a youth-driven initiative that advocates for the prioritization of youth development, women's empowerment, and education in Gambia. You had the opportunity to, to go to London School of Economics, uh, a very prestigious uh, school. How, what do you recommend to, to those people that don't have that opportunity? Um, that's, that's a very good question. I think um, I've seen many people um, succeed and do very well without going to some, you know, the most prestigious institutions of learning in, in the world. I've, I've seen so many people, um, you know, succeed and get to the highest levels of organizations and um, be founders and CEOs um, without doing that. I think um, even with people who go to those prestigious institutions, that is simply, uh, I guess, a foundation. You need to build on that. So, um I'll answer your question by saying, both for people who go to these institutions and people who don't, the main thing is being relentless, right? So, if you could you could go to you know any um, institution now and pick out maybe five students, and then say I'm going to track these students as they build their career, what you'll find with the ones who move very quickly is that they make it their business to constantly find out what is going on. I mean, information nowadays is, is more valuable than anything else because uh, what tends to happen is things are happening very quickly and the more you know, the better position you're in to take advantage of these opportunities as and when they come along. And if you don't know or you, you're not in a position to take advantage of these opportunities, there's a multiplier effect both a positive one and a negative one. That means that the ones that are in tune with what's happening move so much quicker, and the ones that aren't fall behind a lot quicker as well, you know, compared to maybe our parents' generation, right? And that is what makes it so difficult um, for people to understand, you know, some people that went to the same um, organizations or the same, uh, worked at the same organizations or went to the same institutions of learning come out with different, um, outcomes. And of course, again, like I said, luck plays a huge part in it. And I'm, I'm grateful to have had some of the opportunities that I've had. Um, but also is just being intentional about saying, this is what I want, and I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick example, right? So um, I went to, uh, when I was an undergrad, I, I knew um, a very intelligent, you know, lady called uh, Fahima. Um, which, which she reached out to me a couple of days ago, actually. And she was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And um, I have no problem saying she's much more intelligent than I am. Um, however, when we were picking our master's programs, because she didn't, she couldn't afford to um, go to, you know, an LSE or, or King's College or in Oxford, um, she had to pick, you know, another university, which was offering her a scholarship, but that university wasn't necessarily you know, in the top 10, you know, universities in the UK, for example. And that stuck with me because for me, I was lucky enough to have someone to pay for me. She didn't. And just because of that, we ended up at two completely different, you know, institutions of learning. 
But now I go on Fahima's LinkedIn page and she has a very good job and she's doing well. So that doesn't define you if you, if you know what I mean. It, it can propel you, it can act as a catalyst for a good career, but what really makes a success, successful person in any field, not just international development, is that constant drive and that constant um, push to say, I'm going to be successful. And it sounds like a cliche, but that's literally what it is. I mean, especially for people our age, you know, we're competing against people from all over the world in, in this globalized um, age. So you really need to be putting yourself at, you know, you, you can't afford any disadvantages is, is what I'm saying. Yes, I absolutely agree. Thank you for that answer. I'd like to move on and talk about your stage at the UN. You started at the United Nations Development Program and then you did an internship in, in the Research Institute for Social Development. Could you tell me more about it? How did you find out about that position? How did you start it? What did you did? Sure. Hey there, the rest of this podcast is exclusively for Impact Group Fellows. Upgrade now and accelerate your career.